Greetings from uh, the Yuapu Church of Christ. My name is Jackson Chang, and I want to thank you for joining us in this podcast series, Refined by Fire. The goal for this series is kind of threefold. Uh, one is to help us look at the Apostle Peter, his spiritual journey, and hopefully by looking at his life, it will inspire us uh, to grow more in our faith. Uh, the second part of it was just kind of providing a tool for our own personal Bible study. So this is like a character mm. study, um, which is basically looking at a character in the Bible. And hopefully at the end of the series, you can feel like, wow, I can probably do the same thing uh, with another character in the Bible. And lastly, um, especially through this, you know, sort of pandemic uh, times where we're kind of secluded from uh, seeing people as much. You know, one of the things I wanted to do also was just to connect the church with just different people to kind of get to know them. And so uh, part of it is bringing guests on to the podcast and hopefully through it, we'll kind of get to know uh, them a little bit more. The third goal kind of came about because of my son, Samuel, uh, who was asking what I was doing when I, you know, recorded the first podcast and uh, jokingly, he was like, what, just you? Um, that's boring. Mm-hmm. I kind of took him up on it, asked him if you want to join me on the podcast. And we did a little quick Q&A at the end of the last podcast. Uh, so that was kind of neat. With that, you know, today I got a great uh, friend of mine, Roger Dequina, with us. Um, Roger currently serves on the board of directors for the church and is also on the leadership team uh, for the church. So uh, definitely great to uh, have you here, Roger. Good to be here. Good to be here, Jackson. Thank you. Yeah. And and maybe you can tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Okay. Well, first off, uh, thank you, you know, to to you and, and just the opportunity to share in this podcast and, and to all the listeners out there, thank you for taking time out to uh, you know, to follow uh, these podcasts and uh, these insights that uh, I think the Holy Spirit really put on Jackson's heart to make available to the church. So that's been exciting. But but as far as myself, I, I've been around the church and, and uh, I think my discipleship started in 1990. I was baptized in October of 1990 in the campus ministry here in Oahu. Awesome. And then shortly after that, I actually went on a mission team to Hilo in 1991 uh, with, uh, with the original mission team planting to Hilo. And then had stayed there for about three years and then went on another mission team, our, se- our second mission team planting, to Guam, actually. That was wow. in 1994, July of 1994. Uh, so it had been in Guam from 94 all the way through 2004. And in, in the 10 year, years that I spent there really uh, you know, serving and helping and trying to do what I can, uh, I was able to get married. You know, Luckily, uh, God, God saw it fit for me to find a perfect uh, perfect best friend and perfect partner. Uh, definitely married up. So <laughs> so I married Leanne in 1997, or rather she married me uh, in 1997. So we, we got married and then we had our first child in 2000. That was Marcus. And Tressa, shortly thereafter in 2002, she was also born in Guam. And then a couple years later, fast forward, um, my wife and I moved back here to Oahu to, in 2004. And, and came out here to just kind of, you know, uh, reconnect with the church, uh, rebuild my faith, you know, was mm-hmm. going through some things in our marriage, uh, just through some really poor choices in my purity and thought, oh, what better place to get some spiritual help than 
our spiritual mm. roots, right? Where, where we came from. Right. Yeah. So we, we came back home in 2004 and have been there ever since. You know, I did take about a year and a half away from church from 2009 to 2010, mm. you know, just trying to figure some things out. But, um, but yeah, yeah, it's been, it's been a great journey. And, and, uh, you know, right now, uh, you know, we're, we're looking forward to seeing our kids. It was sort of bittersweet seeing them go back off to college, but uh, knowing that God will take care of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Marcus was baptized a few years ago, and then Tressa um, last year in 2019. So that's been a blessing. Awesome. And we're left at home now with our youngest one, Jaden. He's 11, going on. Well, he's going and going on 12, but he seems like he's going on 16 some days. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of how it is. Well, that's great. Uh, you know, thank you for uh, sharing. And sounds like you definitely. Uh, been around the kingdom uh, and been part of some pretty exciting things. Uh, let's uh, let's just dive in. Uh, the theme scripture of our series is from First uh, Peter one verses three through nine. It says, "Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade." This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really love this scripture. And, you know, I think it's definitely uh, fitting for us today uh, with sure. all the things that are going on with uh, COVID-19 and the effects of that. Uh, I think it's good to remember that uh, we will go through griefs and trials and different things. Um, And, you know, Peter is writing to us, basically telling us, hey, you know what? If we just hang on and persevere in -hmm. our faith, uh, ultimately that faith will give us hope of one day receiving salvation for our souls. Uh, I really appreciate his perspective because th- this is written towards the end of his life. And I think mm, he's okay. kind of sharing from uh, his own life how his faith had been refined by fire through the different things that he has gone through. And he's encouraging us to persevere just like he had. Um, so uh, just a, a little recap on the first podcast, which is the intro to our series, we, we looked at spiritual blindness from sure. John chapter 9. And you know how sometimes um, we can get caught up in different things that keep us from seeing Jesus clearly um, or seeing the incredible things that God is doing. In this series, we're going to be looking at different things that Peter has to work through in his own life and eventually for him to become the man that God intended for him to be. So today, uh, we're going to be talking about overcoming sinfulness. Okay. So let's just kind of step back and look at, well, what is sin? What, what do you <laughs> think is sin? How do you define sin? You know, it's it's 
kind of funny answer you asked that question because there was a Bible study earlier today mm. uh, where basically that was kind of the topic was sin. Mm. How do you define sin? What what is sin? And it's just I don't think ironic. I think it's spirit led that the question is is fitting for this time. Uh, sin, when I look at it through the Bible and through the lens of 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 just being the created, is is it's a block. It's a hindrance. It's a separation. Uh, something that sort of puts a um, obstacle between me and the fullness uh, that God desires for my life and the, mm. and the fullness that God desires for me to have uh, in Him. Uh, it's something that prevents me from really seeing uh, God to His fullest extent, I think, in a lot of ways. Mm. And also, I think it's something that prevents me from being created in, in, in His image, in, in the image that He originally intended for me. Mm-hmm. So. You know, it's it's interesting because um, I always, you know, there there are different things. I remember when I first kind of came around the church and started studying the Bible. Um, I remember, I believe, it was a second sermon I heard uh, when I visited our fellowship of churches. Mm-hmm. I remember one of the brothers was up there talking about uh, basically sexual immorality. And he just kind of laid it out, and he goes, "Well, that's that's what the Bible says." Right. Um, and it was funny because at that time I wasn't really a Christian. I wasn't pretending to be a Christian, um, but I thought in my mind, "Well, I mean, you know, how can why is this so bad?" Mm. Um, and I remember when I started studying the Bible uh, and looking looking at sin, uh, what. The Bible defines as sin. Um, that was one of the things I thought too. I was like, "Well, you know, why is lusting bad? Why right. is?" I mean, it seems like everybody does it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, part of the question is kind of thinking about like, "Well, why is why is sin sin? Mm. Uh, why is it bad?" Uh, because a lot of times, I think, well, I mean, did God just like randomly pick? Oh, let's just call that a sin. The, the deeper I dive into that, the deeper I realize that there is effects of sin. Sure. Um, and there's a reason why sin is sin mm-hmm. and why sin is bad. And, and it's interesting that you brought up that whole point um, because I think most of us are familiar with that passage in Isaiah 59 verse 2, mm-hmm. right? How sin separates us from God. Sure. Um, what's interesting is uh, a little bit later in that chapter, in verse 10, it says, Like the blind, we grope along the wall, feeling our way like people without eyes. And midday, we stumble as if it were twilight. So describing like how we are when we are in sin, sure. not just separated from God, but like, yeah, hard, having a hard time seeing mm-hmm. clearly. We're going to take a look at and see how this applies to Peter. Uh, Let's go over to Mark chapter 1. And, you know, when you think about um, when Peter was first called to be a disciple, what's what's the passage that comes to mind for you? I think uh, I'll probably say Mark 1 and just the calling uh, in terms of, you know, 
like leave leave everything and follow me you know that whole idea of just come follow me you know and, and i think of andrew coming to him and being excited and being like hey i found the messiah and and you know and i don't think he believed i think it was kind of hard for him to actually believe that when mm. when andrew went to him and called him but that's kind of what i think about uh, you know during peter's calling and and the other thing that comes to mind is just how quickly um well i'm not sure how quickly after that his name was changed but that uh that basically you know he had a new identity once mm. once he did follow jesus that was kind of cool and that he was chosen mm. and, I, and i thought that you know just being selected was a great uh, great uh, thing as well. So mm. yeah, Mark one uh, verse sixteen through twenty it says, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James and Zebedee and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and then. They left their father's Zebedee in the boat with the hired man and followed him. Yeah, when I think about, you know, Jesus and his first disciples, which uh, Simon Peter was among them, uh, this is a scripture that kind of comes to mind. It's, it's one of those staple passages from our uh, first principle studies, mm -hmm. right, on discipleship. Jesus comes to them and says, come follow me. Um, you know, what strikes you about this passage? About the scripture, I, th I think, I think two things, actually, the, the verse right above it, where, you know, it talks about repenting and believing the good news that mm -hmm. that strikes me because I think uh, there has to be a mind change in order mm -hmm. to come and follow mm -hmm. for me personally, you know, there has to be this switch that kind of goes off. And, and I think about the challenge that these guys may have faced just believing the good news or, or repenting and having this mind change because I don't know what they thought as far as the Messiah coming back. Um, I don't know if they thought it would be in this form of Jesus. And then, mm -hmm. and then the idea of coming and following Jesus, uh, it's just very direct. It's very clear. And, and it's a very simple, you know, simple command. You know, um, you got to come and then you got to follow. You know, so there's imitation and there's trust mm. that goes with that. One of the things that kind of uh, always strikes me about this is... Um, you know, if you, if you just read this passage, it's kind of like Jesus walking along. He sees these guys and he calls them, uh, right? And um, it, it really strikes me as, wow, these guys have pretty incredible hearts uh, just to <laughs> drop everything and follow Jesus. And I mean, even it emphasizes here that at once, right? right. They left their nets and, and followed him. I'm just grateful that God called me to be a Christian during this time. To be a Christian in the first century or even at this time was, I can't imagine, I, I, I'm very faithless, I think. It would be tough for me just to leave everything I have right now and just say, you know what, I'm going to follow this man. Yeah. So, yeah, it would be tough. Yeah, I mean, same thing for me. I just think, wow, I mean, just dropping everything, family, career. Um, and, and what's interesting is when you just read this passage, you think, um, well, it seems like they hardly know this guy. It's just, you know, maybe they've heard some stuff about him, but um, really doesn't seem like um, they really have an understanding of who this is. And um, at times I think, well, you know, that should be the heart that I should have. When I 
kind of think about it, I think, you know, I don't know if that's necessarily what God wants from each one of us, just to mm. blindly follow. Mm. Um, so we're going to dive into some of the other passages that talk about uh, the interactions that uh, Peter and Andrew and some of these guys have with Jesus, because I think it can open our eyes to see a little bit more uh, into what goes on. Because... Um, okay. Kind of like what you mentioned uh, earlier, um, you know, how there was a whole interaction with Andrew, his brother and stuff. Um, this passage is really not the first time that Peter meets Jesus. Let's jump to John chapter 1. And in uh, John chapter 1, verse uh, 35 uh, through 39, it says, um, the next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. So John here is referring to John the Baptist. Mm. Um, and it says in verse 36, when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? Mm. They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Mm. You see the two disciples of John. Uh, what, what's, what's kind of their reaction uh, to this, and what does, what, does Jesus, um, what does Jesus do here? Well, they, they, they asked, you know, they, they saw this, and they, they're like, you know, like what, what do you want is more so I think surprise I guess would be kind of something I, I would I would think that they experienced um, mm -hmm. you know uh, but also I think a sense of awe and wonder um, so it sounds like you know when they saw Jesus there must have been something about him uh, that really that really stood out you know where they saw Jesus Jesus was more like hey you know what is it you want you know and they're, they're just very I think submitted to the fact that Hey, we want to learn from you. We want to know you. We want to understand what you're about. We want to. We we want to. We want to follow. It's kind mm -hmm. of like they were already leaning towards being followers without even being called in that sense. Mm -hmm. You know, before they were even called, they were just kind of like, uh, sort of amazed and starstruck. I guess star starstruck is probably a good word that comes to mind. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things. I mean, John the Baptist, who is their teacher, right? He is pointing to this guy and he says look the lamb of god um and if you read a little bit before that it it basically talked about how um you know john baptized jesus mm -hmm. uh and really john was like hey you know i'm not worthy and i shouldn't be baptizing you you mm -hmm. should be baptizing me but jesus was like no no just just do it mm -hmm. and after Jesus was baptized, right, this whole scene of where the heaven opened up, yep. the dove came down. And and uh, so they were his disciples. So most likely they were there witnessing that. And so all of a sudden, sort of the next day, um, John points to Jesus again. Uh, so, yeah, there, there's a little bit of sense of... Um, you know, I like to know what this guy is really all about. And earlier, he says, look, Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So basically, they, they, them as Jews, they understood that, oh, this is a sort of a sacrifice from God. Mm. 
to take away the sin of the world. And that, I don't think they fully grasped the whole concept yet. But I think, yeah, they were kind of curious and they were like, okay, what, what is this all about? Um, but then Jesus invites them, right? He says, come and you will see. Uh, and I love that because I think that's the same thing that like you and I, it's the same invitation that we have each day mm -hmm. uh, to be able to go, hey, if I take time to just dive into the Bible, it's the same thing. Right. Like Jesus is inviting us to spend time with him. Mm -hmm. So let's take a look and see what happens. In um, John 1, verse 40, uh, it says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. So what do you see happening here? I see, say, Andrew just being excited mm -hmm. about his interaction with Jesus. And he can't wait to tell his brother about it and be like, Hey, Simon, you know, we found the Messiah. Like, this is the real deal. Yeah. And just super, super... Um, anxious to tell him about it, super eager to tell him about it. For Andrew, I think he's maybe kind of seeing some some things from what uh, John the Bat Baptist has told him. and But really, this is all before Jesus had started his ministry, mm -hmm. before Jesus did any miracles. Uh, but somehow, whatever happened during that time that he spent with Jesus, the next day it was like, while wow, we we found the Messiah, mm -hmm. um, and that's that's great when you see that that his heart um, it says the first thing he does he goes and finds his brother Andrew and brings mm -hmm. him to him. Um, so when you think about this passage in in Mark chapter one, um, what what do you think about that? Like, how do you kind of put those two together? As far as reconciling the, the difference between Mark 1 where it's Simon and Andrew responding right away. Yeah. 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 Uh, different, different time frame, different time period. Yeah. It's not the same scene, basically. Um, and one of the things that we see here is that uh, this is actually happening in John 1. It's actually happening before um, the scene in Mark 1. So a little bit uh, of geography uh, in all of this. Um, John 1, it says in, you know, verse 28, it says, this all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. Mm -hmm. So if you look back at Mark chapter 1, Jesus was walking beside where? Sea of Galilee. Yeah, Sea of Galilee. Yeah. If you look at the geography, uh, Bethany... Uh, on the other side of Jordan was down south towards um, in Judea, uh, a little bit east of Jerusalem. Uh, Galilee was all the way up north, probably about 70 miles or so north. Um, so um, you live in uh, Hawaii Kai, right? Yep. yep. Uh, do you know the Koreas? Yes. And yeah. you know where they live? They're in Waianae. Why not? Yeah. yeah. So uh, just to kind of put things in perspective for those of us here on, uh, 
on Oahu. Um, the equivalent of the distance between Jerusalem and the Sea of Galilee, uh, that 70 miles is the equivalent of you going from your house to the Koreas and then back, back. right? Uh, pretty, pretty far, yeah. uh, especially when you're walking, mm -hmm. right? Um, so just based on geography, because I think it's one of those uh, elements that sometimes we kind of, you know, skip over sure, because we're sure. not really familiar with the geography of the, um, of the land uh -huh. uh, that we see in the Bible. But it, it, clearly, these are two separate events. Um, so when, when I think about that, um, here's, here's my little theory into kind of trying to harmonize the two things. Okay. Uh, Andrew was one of John the Baptist's disciples. Uh, it didn't really say that his brother Simon uh, was a disciple of John the Baptist. Mm -hmm. uh, Simon most likely was probably focused on working the family business, which was fishing. Mm -hmm. uh, and just happened to be near Jerusalem, whether he was visiting Andrew or perhaps he was down there um, on business, right? Maybe trying to buy some, you know, fishing supplies or selling some dried fish or mm -hmm, I don't mm -hmm. know. Um, but somehow he was happened to be down there. And when Andrew found, spent time with Jesus, um, he really wanted uh, Simon to meet this guy. Do we see any response from, from Simon after he meets Jesus? In John 1? Yeah. Uh, re not really. Uh, he just kind of looks at him and renames him and basically, yeah, that's it. There's really not a response per se from Peter. Yeah. And that's kind of the thing, right? You, we don't see uh, Simon going, wow, I really I appreciate you giving me a new name and new identity. And, mm. um, and we don't see him going out at once. Mm -hmm. Uh, trying to find other people and go, hey, I found the Messiah. So his response is very different than Andrew's response. Mm -hmm. My guess is that, um, you know, he probably just went, well, okay, that's great. Uh, and went back to fishing because obviously the next time we see him is back in by the Sea of Galilee mm -hmm. uh, fishing. And uh, I think Andrew being one of John the Baptist's disciple, probably out of loyalty went back to John because uh, it's not like Jesus says, hey, come follow me. Right. Uh, so he probably was like, oh, that was a great time spending time with Jesus. And uh, I kind of think that this might really be the Messiah. But okay, let me go back to John the Baptist. Uh, unfortunately, John the Baptist gets arrested. Yeah. Um, you know, by Herod Antipas and subsequently beheaded. Mm -hmm. uh, so probably after John the Baptist was arrested, Andrew was like, oh, now what do I do? Uh, so he probably decides, you know what? Let me go back to Galilee um, and join my brother Simon and, you know, get back to our family business. So that's kind of like, like my theory of mm. what, uh, what happened. That's cool.
Um, so let's look at another passage, okay. which I think kind of helps us dive uh, into this whole scene a little bit. Um, but in Luke chapter 5, in verse 1, uh, so this is a, actually another account of uh, Mark chapter 1. And it kind of gives us a little bit more uh, insight. And in verse 1, it says, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, uh, which is another name for the Sea of Galilee, uh, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Mm. Um, so what do you see happening here? Well, I see more of a faithful response from Peter, definitely. Mm -hmm. uh, it seems like there there'd probably been some time that elapsed before, you know, like, again, this faith response where he's just, you know what, I'm tired, but because you say so, Master, and he refers to him as Master, so mm -hmm. there is a response, you know, that it seems to be submissive from his side and acknowledging Jesus as, as a teacher. Mm. Yeah, and it's interesting because... Uh, one, they've been out fishing all night, mm -hmm. and they hadn't caught anything. Right. And they were actually in the process of washing the nets. Uh, so one of the reasons why they actually fish at night um, with, with the net is because it's hard for the fish to see the net. Mm. Uh, so when they pull the net through, it's easier to catch fish. And so they were in the process of cleaning the nets, uh, and it's obviously daytime. So Jesus saying, hey, go and do it again uh, after they've been cleaning the nets, which I um, imagine is not probably an easy process. Uh -huh. um, and this coming from this guy that they don't really know that well, and really his background is carpentry, mm -hmm. right? Um, but there, there's some sort of deference, right, to him as, you know, master, perhaps mm -hmm. because of that time that he had first met Jesus back, um, you know, in Bethany mm -hmm. when his brother Andrew introduced him right, right. To, to him. And so maybe that was kind of going it, it around in the back of his mind. Mm. Um, and, you know, let's, let's read a little bit um, on to see what happens in verse okay. six. It says, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. Hmm. So what do you see happen here? A miracle, a miracle uh, mm -hmm. executed and 
demonstrated by Jesus, you know, uh, with uh, a great catch. And right. the response from Peter is basically humility, one of, I think, awe and wonder, where he's just like, you know what, Jesus, don't even be near me because I'm, I'm such a sinful man. I don't mm. deserve to be around you. And and that, that was that was basically it. And then and then Jesus gives him this this calling, this mm. cho- choosing to go and become not just a fisher of fish, but a fisher of men. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. And we'll 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 talk a little bit about that because I think um, you know there, there's a there's a difference uh, in when we look at uh, at first Simon calls him master mm-hmm. uh, in that Greek word. Uh, for master is epistates, which is, you know, kind of like that, you know, there's there's somebody who is in authority, uh, but more like a rabbi, like mm-hmm. a teacher. Okay. Um, after the catch of fish, right, he says, go away from me, Lord. Mm. Uh, he addresses him as Lord, which in the Greek is different mm. uh, than the whole master thing. Uh, the Greek word for that is kudios, uh, which is kind of, you know, calling him Lord, um, but almost a equivalent of the Hebrew word for Jehovah. Okay. Uh, it carries a stronger and higher authority. Hmm. So I think, th- you know, there, there's a little bit of a change in the way that uh, Simon Peter is seeing Jesus. At first, he was probably like, okay, you know, I acknowledge that there's some authority that he has, um, right. perhaps as a rabbi, and certainly from, from his brother's perspective, and perhaps he was kind of partly listening to Jesus uh, when he was preaching as he was cleaning the nets, that he thought, wow, yeah, this guy is definitely got something going on. Uh, but all of a sudden, from that catch of fish, mm-hmm. he thought, okay, yeah, maybe this is the Messiah, right? And once he realized that, what was his response to Jesus? He fell to his knees. Yeah. And fell to his knees. And was then, he like, wow, you know, great, I'm going to follow you. No, no, I, th- I think he was saying, you know, go away from me. Um, I'm, not, I'm a sinful man. So I think there was this kind of like, I'm unworthy mm. type of response. So one one of the things that, you know, when we put this together with Mark 1, uh, I think we start seeing that it's not just this quick interaction where Jesus was just walking by, uh, right? There's a lot uh, more depth into that whole interaction that Mm -hmm. Jesus has with with Peter, uh, where I think the reason probably why he wasn't as excited and didn't really see Jesus clearly was because of sin uh, in his life. Mm. Uh, And I think that's one of the things we start talking about this whole uh, topic of sin is that it can kind of blind us uh, spiritually where we don't see things clearly. Sure. And I think that's kind of what uh, Simon was going through. And he's beginning to realize who Jesus is. Um. And his response is, man, I'm, I'm not worthy. Right. Uh, away from me, Lord. We don't know exactly what 
sins or different things are were in his life, perhaps it's just left ambiguous for us so that we mm -hmm. can relate to him because, you know, we're all sinful. When, when you think about um, how sin can keep us from seeing things clearly, like how do you think is this true in, in your life, in your, you know, journey of faith? Well, I think much like Peter, when I think about Peter and his interactions with Jesus, even as, as you kind of, you know, outlined things and went through the sort of the chronological possibilities of, of how things may have occurred, I think of Peter being distracted, you know, when Andrew came to him in John mm -hmm. 1 and, you know, not really maybe feeling it, um, being designated a name, being designated a, di a different uh, choosing or calling and not responding. Mm. So, so for me, I think that's kind of what, what sin does for me. Like whenever I've chosen sin, it creates a distraction in, in, in the sense that um, I'm no longer able to, I think, see, mm -hmm. see God and let alone see Jesus in the full extent that I should be able to see him, right? With the cross, with the sacrifice, with the mm. love, with the, with the giving up of himself for my, for my sin, for those specific things that I'm doing wrong. I get so enamored and caught up with whatever it might be, the temporary pleasures, the flesh, the uh, emotional responses, the you know thought life, whatever it might be, that it, it's just it's just like there's, there's just no room. There's no room for uh, for Jesus, and and a lot of times it's just because I'm not looking. I think it's because I'm not looking for Jesus. I'm not seeing the miracles. I'm not understanding. Uh, the miracle of even my own life in a sense mm. and that of every other christian who's made the decision to make jesus lord you know i think those are all miracles but I, but i forget that mm. so yeah so i i think it's just it's just sort of a cloudiness because those things seem more essential in in the sense that the i got to take care of this or i i, I want to do this or i got to do this or the pleasures of this is is just it's just more. It's just more. It's, it's better for me. And, you know, I choose that route. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And I think we, it, it's easy for us to get um, caught up in uh, being the pull of the world, the pull of sin, mm -hmm. um, you know, that we kind of lose sight of, you know, the things that are important, uh, the blessings that God has given us, mm -hmm. uh, the relationships in the church, sure. uh, whether our you know, marriages, the kids, and, mm -hmm. and different things. So, yeah, I think sin definitely has a, an, an effect in us. Um, yeah. And it kind of distances us from God. Well, I think a big thing that comes to my mind whenever I've sinned uh, is is the word shame. Like, that mm. comes, yeah. like, to the forefront immediately when I think of sin. So my response in the past uh, was very much like Peter in the sense where he's like, you know, away from me, Lord. I'm not worthy. I'm a sinful man. Mm -hmm. Because there's just so much shame and guilt associated with that sin, whatever it might be, that it, it's almost like uh, I'm, I'm ugly. I'm, I'm not worthy. You know, just get away from me because uh, I don't deserve it. So that's a word that really comes to my mind. Mm. And, and I think, you know, if I were to summarize just the the spiritual blindness that occurs, I think a lot of it is self-inflicted based on that emotion because it is a very powerful emotion. It just causes mm. me to feel more, you know, I guess more bad about what I just did or 
said or looked at or thought or mm. vocalized, whatever the sin might be, right? And um, yeah, it's just just a response. Yeah, yeah. and I, I appreciate you even bringing that up because yeah, I think uh, when we sin and get wrapped up in in that shame, right? The guilt and the shame. Uh, it's hard for us to see ourselves. Uh, I think the way that God sees us. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, that's one of the reasons. Um, you know why. I think Peter had a hard time seeing Jesus for who he was and then being able to, you know, uh, take that step to go, wow, you know, this is, um, this is something that I want in my life. What, what do you think helped Peter in the end? In I, I, I think in this encounter, you know, I think the one thing that really, really helped him was basically this, this promise that there's a, a greater purpose for your life there's a greater mm. calling there's a greater substance to your life like it's just not about working and making mm. the money and then doing it day in and day out and day in and day out mm -hmm. and existing jesus was really giving him such a great calling to, to basically catch men you know and and to to go after men you know and and i think that was probably one of the things that helped him feel like man I, I, there's more to me i'm, I'm not just a fisherman Mm, I'm yeah. not just a fisherman, you know. Um, there's so much more to my life than what I thought it was. So I think that was one thing. And just seeing Jesus's, I believe, mercy and grace, uh, even in his approach to him, where he was like, oh, get away from me. You know, I'm not worthy uh, of you. Mm -hmm. um, and ju just, you know, just just him encouraging him, you know, and filling him with, with courage, saying, don't be afraid. Yeah. Don't be afraid. You know, I think that's a, that's a big thing. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's the thing that I think, um, you know, hits home, right? When he says, don't be afraid. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because I think, uh, you know, a lot of times I can feel that where like, I'm not worthy. Mm -hmm. um, but to have Jesus just go, you know what? Don't be afraid. It's sure, all right. Sure, sure. Yeah. Here's my vision for you. Here's the purpose that I want for you uh, in your life. Mm. Um, it's a great and like point. you said, yeah, there's, there's something greater out there uh, than, you know, maybe what we are able to see. Uh, so that, I think that's a great thing is a great thing about Jesus. Yeah, well, what I was what I was going to share was this calling to not be afraid. You know, when I think back on my, on my Christian life 30 years ago as a 19, 20 year old college student, single, you know, uh, eating college food and and, mm -hmm. and responding, there was fear. There was fear to to follow Jesus, to to take up this this calling, and to respond to the being chosen. There was fear there, and I think about thirty years later, you know, being married, uh, you know, now for almost you know twenty twenty two years, and father of three, and mm -hmm. you know, being much older and having gone through life's uh, crazy valleys and and peaks as well. Mm -hmm. But there's still fear there, and there's still this. <laughs> reminder that you know I I, I I can still be afraid to surrender mm -hmm. my job my life my health my space my time so yeah it, it's just such a great reminder so I appreciate that that was one thing that really came to my mind when when you kind of highlighted that scripture there in verse uh, verse 11 mm -hmm. and I think for all of us um, you know we just have to realize that yeah are, you know are we unworthy yeah, absolutely mm -hmm. but the great thing for us is to know that 
you know, Jesus is saying, you know, don't worry about it, mm. right? Um, just come and follow me and we'll be able to do great things. Something else to note, which is related to what you mentioned at the very beginning of our podcast about being chosen. In um, Matthew 4, it says, uh, verse 12, when Jesus heard that John had been put in pre prison, he withdrew to Galilee, leaving Nazareth. He went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali. So what I wanted to get from this is, uh, you know, we all, all kind of know, okay, Jesus' hometown was Nazareth. Mm -hmm. uh, but when he began his ministry, he moved to where? He moved to Capernaum. He moved to Capernaum to start his ministry. Yeah. And Capernaum is the hometown of Peter. Hmm. Uh, was it a coincidence that he had met Andrew, Peter, and Philip back in John 1 uh, down in Judea? But when he starts his ministry, he moves right to the hometown of where Peter they're, they're is. from, where Peter's from. Yeah, I mean, yeah. uh, kind of neat because yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it gives us a new perspective uh, on the verse in John 15, right? In John 15, verse 16, it says, You did not choose me, but I chose you. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. And so Jesus actually makes that intentional effort to move into the same town and area where these guys are from. Mm -hmm. uh, and those are like kind of small villages. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's pretty interesting when I think about all this. But, um, you know, I mean, the topic that we're looking at today was overcoming sin. Right. Uh, obviously, um, Peter had to overcome uh, in his own life the sinfulness in him so that he could follow Jesus. Um you know, what What would you say for us? Like, how do we overcome sin in us? <laughs> That's a good question. I, I, I feel like for the first 20 years of my discipleship, you know, mm -hmm. it really was uh, hit and miss. I, I think, you know, there was a lot of sin in my life, everything ranging from impurity to anger to deceit to, uh, you know, indulgence and pride and everything in between. And I, I think for me, the one thing that I really felt different the last third of my Christian faith mm -hmm. and my spiritual journey has really been this mind change and this heart change, really, from understanding, you know, it, it's it's really the only reason I'm able to overcome sin. And, and I'm going to speak specifically to purity because I'd lived such an impure life for so long. And that was really the catalyst to me even leaving church for uh, for about a year and a half. I heard a lot of people. There was a lot of consequences from there, possibly even you know, separation and divorce, which was an option, you know, and um, and it's been really great the last 10 years of my Christian life. Mm -hmm. And I think the difference in, in, in terms of overcoming that sin has really been God's righteousness being um, exercised and being accessed uh, as opposed to my own personal righteousness or my own ability to try to be good. Because left to myself, I'm, I'm not, like I'm not good, mm. um, you know, the, the Bible talks about, you know, how many, there, there's no not one that's good, right? And, and we all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. Mm -hmm. So when I try to do it myself and overcome things, uh, it's very, it's very frustrating because I feel like I'm white knuckling. I'm almost like trying to live this life of do's and don'ts and, and law, 
Mm-hmm. And, and I'm just hanging on for dear life. And there's this pull and there's this flesh and there's this temptation that keeps gnawing and gnawing. But when I go God's righteousness route and allow God's righteousness to be the thing that, that cleanses me through the fulfillment of Jesus Christ on the cross and the death and the burial and the resurrection, it's a totally new ballgame. So mm-hmm. for me, that's been uh, really the, 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 at the core of what, what I've been able to use to overcome sin. Mm-hmm. Amen. I mean, I think those are great, um, great perspective. And I appreciate that because I think when we try to do it on our own, uh, I think we will um, just continue to fail. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, just to, you know, wrap things up, obviously, um, you know, one of the things that will help us to uh, see things clearly on the spiritual side is is dealing with sin in our lives uh, and uh, overcoming sin. Sure. Uh, and sometimes, you know, it, it is that, you know, kind of a hard to acknowledge that we can't do it on our own. So I really appreciate that. Um, so, I mean, some reflection questions as we kind of wrap things up. Just for us to think about how does it feel to know that you are chosen by God? Uh, which is pretty awesome when we look at these these guys because Jesus chose them. For us, you know, we're also chosen by God. Um, I think another question is, what are the sins um, in, in our lives that keep us from seeing things clearly? What can we do to overcome those sins in our lives? Hmm. Um, so these are, I think, just different things that we can walk away thinking about just even from this podcast yeah, the great questions. Appreciate mm-hmm. them. Thank you for uh, joining us in this podcast, and I, I hope that um, you know you enjoyed it. And uh, absolutely, we'll, we'll definitely continue to look fun. at Peter's uh, faith journey in the upcoming um, podcast in this series. But uh, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Jackson. Appreciate it.